0: Hi, I'm Beck Rayner, and this is the Military Life Podcast, a podcast that celebrates, empowers, supports, informs, and embraces the spouses beside the military members by building connections, acknowledging our strength, focusing on self-care and our mental health. Let's do this together. Want to join a bank that just gets defence life? Defence Bank is one of Australia's largest customer-owned banks. They have 33 on-base branches across Australia, an award-winning banking app that allows you to do all your banking wherever and whenever you want. And with products and services tailored for ADF members and defence spouses, you'll wonder why you didn't join sooner. Visit defencebank.com.au today and see how easy your banking can be. Welcome Navy Chaplain Jenny Schleusner to the Military Life Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. I guess today we're talking about the role of a chaplain. Can you tell us what a chaplain does and what your role actually entails? Bec, a
1: chaplain's role is really varied and it's situationally dependent.
0: And I would even
1: go so far as to say that it, it would also be shaped by the independent gifts of each chaplain. So regardless of how you look at it, we are at all times meant to be a friend to both members and their families. We're someone that you can go to for support outside the chain of command, someone who offers confidentiality, a listening ear, and if necessary, referral to other agencies. I like to put it like, we're just simply a friend that you haven't met yet.
0: And I guess people, when they hear the word chaplain, they automatically think, oh, well, Do I have to be affiliated with a religion or do I have to be religious to be able to access a chaplain? How does it work with religion and and people being able to come to the chaplain for support?
1: So there is absolutely no requirement for people to have any religion or faith to access a chaplain or to even just simply receive a phone call or a message of support. In most of the conversations that we would have, there might not ever be any mention of even a faith-based stuff. But what people need to understand is that our faith perspective is the under everything that we do as a chaplain. That's what gives us the strength to be there in the most difficult times. But we are by no means somebody who's ever going to push a religious viewpoint on somebody.
0: And so is the chaplain only there for, or a su- source of support for the defence member or can spouses also access support?
1: We are there for everybody. And by no means are we just there for the members, but we are absolutely there for their family. We've also, like, I know that being a female brings an the- interesting perspective to chaplaincy in that I think military wives are more likely to talk to me as a female chaplain than perhaps they would be to the male chaplains. But having said that, the male chaplains have as much to offer as anybody else. I think it's just the fact that I'm a female gives me a different viewpoint and a different understanding and an easier connection point. Female
0: chaplains are a rarity, How have you found now that you do offer that perspective and and that option for people that may not have necessarily been comfortable coming to a male chaplain or confiding in a male chaplain, do you find that there is a bit of a difference with the type of people that will come and see you or the amount of people that will come and see you?
1: I think any chaplaincy role, is only as strong as the connection the individual has with the team around them. So I work very hard at actually developing relationships in everyday conversations with people. That then allows them... To feel free to come and see me i've also looked towards developing connections with the defense families association which then gives me a window into the partners so i've actually found that that strength is good and i have had a number actually access me individually just for support while their partners are away or whatever so i find personally that it does bring a different dimension but that is by no means to say that the male chaplains don't bring some awesome stuff to chaplaincy because they do.
0: Definitely. And so how do defence members and partners actually access a chaplain in general? How would they, you know, some people may not even know that there are chaplains there to call on. If they were to find out about chaplains, how would they even go about having a chat with you or seeking support?
1: But there's a variety of ways. They can reach out via their, their member and their, their member can access a phone number for us. If they don't want to do that, all they've got to do is phone the Defence switchboard on 1300 333 362 and just ask to speak to the duty chaplain in their area it's pot who you'll get because the duty chaplain is handed around but we're probably one of the few services that are actually 24 7.
0: and so when people or defense members and, and partners decide to access a chaplain does it only have to be for situations where they're in crisis or can it be that you know maybe they're having a hard time in their relationship or like you mentioned the defense members away and they're finding it hard doing everything solo When can they access? Is it only in crisis or when's the the best time? Access to a
1: chaplain is any time. If you are struggling, especially if you're new to an area and you don't have a support network, chaplains are a great source of connection to begin with because we can actually direct you to the local defense families if you've got kids or we can direct you to possibly local play groups. We've got a little bit of local knowledge where we can actually help connect people. But I've had multiple people come and just talk about their relationship or issues with their kids or we've had people come and talk about loss of family and suicide. We've had multiple people who lost families during COVID. There is no end to the support we offer. And if it's outside of our lane, if it's something that we feel needs more specialised attention and help, we have no hesitation in recommending them to other sources of support.
0: And like you mentioned earlier, you don't necessarily have to be religious to access the support of a chaplain. But if someone, like you mentioned, does come to a new area and they don't have any support, support network or the like, and they are religious and they, you know, they are faith based, chaplains can be a good source of, I guess, connection to that faith, but then also within the community can maybe direct them to where they might connect in through religion. Absolutely. I mean, we each have our home denomination that
1: we're part of, but I've connected people to local Anglican churches. I've connected people to the local Baptist church. I've connected people to city church over over the other side of the I will connect anybody to anywhere if that's what they want. It's it's about finding the flavor that suits them. If they've always been Catholic, then I'd recommend they go to the Catholic church in town.
0: And do you find that, like you mentioned, that sometimes people have an idea that a chaplain is only all about religion and if I come to see a chaplain, they're going to try and, you know, connect me in with a local church or or make it more about faith based as opposed to just being a friendly ear and someone that can support the defence member and their family? It's interesting. I have had
1: no end of people. I often have people sit in my chair and their opening statement is, I'm not religious. And I think my first response is usually, oh, that's great. Neither am I. Because the word religion is an interesting one. And I think a lot of people have a real misconception about that. What most chaplains have is an act of faith. And it's, it's really hard to explain how that's different. But people can have a preconception and a fear of coming to see And I would put it like this, okay? If you come across a doctor that you don't really hit it off with or you haven't had a good relationship with you don't never see a doctor again you just choose a different doctor and I think chaplaincy can be similar you're not going to connect to every chaplain you ever meet so it's okay
0: to find a different one yeah definitely it's all I guess about perspective and not writing chaplains off just because you may not have connected in the right way with someone that's correct and if you've had a bad
1: experience with a chaplain they have come across a little bit too strong or whatever and I've no doubt that over the years that may well have been the case in some people's experience. But don't write off the opportunity or the support that's available simply because of one bad experience.
0: And in general, what are some of the things that defence couples might seek support for via a chaplain? Obviously, you know, defence life places a lot of strain on relationships at times, you know, separations, deployments, all of the things that make defence life what it is and the challenges that couples often go through. What can they come to you for and what is the, some of the support that they might seek from a chaplain?
1: So it's interesting. Couples in general may come and seek some relationship help, especially when you've been separated for a long time. There's a lot of stuff around separation and then the reintegration and that place stress being being separated. So some people will come for relationship advice. Some people come for mental health issues. Some people come for coaching or mentoring. We can offer mentoring, work stress, work-life balance, colleague tension. Divisional system advocacy is a good one for um, people who are in defence. We can support people through individual welfare books. The list is long. And if we can't help with something particular, we can almost always direct them to
0: somebody who can. Do you find that, obviously, the role of a chaplain is there, like you mentioned, to support the defence member and and their family members or their partner through, you know, reintegration and all the different challenges that we're faced as defence families due to, you know, defence life. Obviously, that's a lot on a chaplain's shoulders. Are there other systems or supports in place or that work together With helping with some of the issues that you might see or some of the challenges that you might have people come and talk to you about. Obviously, if they're coming to a chaplain on base, the defence member is home already and they've realised that there's some things happening and they need a bit of support. Are there other things that you sort of work in with helping couples or families with certain issues, or is it just the chaplain solo, or do you bring in other sort of supports?
1: We are by no means a one man band. are quite a broad spectrum. And I would not hesitate to direct people to what is now known as the Defence Members and Family Support, which is formerly DCO. They have some incredible support mechanisms and actual seminars you can go to on reintegration and transition. So I would direct people there. There's Open Arms, which is a, the off-base psychology people that you can go and see. There's actually medical psychology here. There's the Defence Families Helpline. They have some amazing stuff. Defence Families are Association, the Defence Welfare Association, Defence Veterans Association. There's even apps, if you're just struggling with mental health, there's some brilliant defence apps for mental health. There is so much support out there that I think it's sad that so many people don't even realise exists, is available to them. And the most recent one is a brand new wellbeing portal that's just come online for defence members. And it has got bucket loads of, of support, both in-house and community-based.
0: Okay, so obviously, yeah, all working in collaboration to provide, you know, what the defence member and the partner needs. Absolutely.
1: Like I said, if we can't help, we can connect you to someone who can. And that's, it's as simple as that.
0: Is what the defence member or the partner talks about with the chaplain confidential? Sometimes, obviously, some people might feel like, oh, what if they tell this to my boss? Or what if, you know, it gets filtered to someone else and we just want to deal with it ourselves? Like, how does it work with a chaplain and what gets told to the chaplain? Confidentiality is a huge thing in chaplains. In
1: fact, I think we're probably the only support system in the Navy that has no mandatory reporting So nothing you tell us goes on your record. The only caveat that I would have to that is if there is a fear of unsafe behavior for yourself or someone you love, or you're talking about hurting someone else, we have reporting in that instance, but everything else, your relationship, your family, your issues, whatever you're going through, that is all absolutely confidential.
0: Can a defense partner or maybe even a parent or a close family member of a defense member make contact with the chaplain and ask the chaplain to engage with the member if they're maybe worried or they feel that the defence member needs support but they're not necessarily reaching out for a chat with someone or even you know to connect in with other services look if you're worried about your member
1: or a member of your family that's in defence absolutely reach out and ask we can absolutely go and see that person but what I would request due to simple privacy uh, requirements is we would prefer to have written permission from that person to engage with the person that they're us to. And I'd always suggest, strongly suggest, that you actually inform the contactee of your request just so that they're not blindsided. Some people are reluctant to come to us, but they will talk when we go to them. So it's a yeah, perfectly legit request for them to come and say, I'm worried about my partner. Please, can you check in with them?
0: I guess chaplains aren't necessarily just on bases, they also go to sea to support uh, defence members and, uh, you know, in the, in the various services if there's long deployments or overseas locations and things like that chaplains also play a role not just on bases they're basically everywhere yeah Yeah, chaplains
1: are one of the few support systems that do go to sea. There's a lot less support available to people who go to sea. So the chaplain is really a vital well-being support person on a ship. And we also assist divisional officers in their roles, as well as the individuals. Lots of things can happen when you're at sea. There can be some really extreme circumstances that assist. Sometimes there's deaths of extended family members, and that that member then can't come home. Or chaplains may request the member to be able to, offer private memorial for a grandfather who might have passed away while been away. It could be grief. It could be talking them through homesickness, just missing family events. So many people don't realise how many times has a partner missed Christmas or an 18th or a 21st or a wedding because they're deployed and can't get home. So chaplains are a really vital support for that because psychologists don't go to sea. DCO doesn't go to sea. A lot of the other support mechanisms that we have on land, we don't have at sea.
0: That's also a common- comfort to the family back home and the partners back home knowing that there is a support system wherever the defense member is to be able to provide that extra touch point when it might just necessarily be that they want to have a chat with the fact that they've missed their five-year-old's birthday for the third time or you know whatever the case sometimes it's just that one thing that happens back home that sort of tips them over that they they really need to talk to someone about it
1: absolutely happens all the time and it's a bit like a bucket you know what I mean you can take it and it just keeps raining and it just keeps raining and when you're at sea it just keeps raining and it fills up your bucket And when your bucket's full, if you don't let some of that pressure out, it will eventually explode. It'll fall over, it'll overflow. You've just got to let some of that pressure out. And I like to think of chaplains, particularly chaplains at sea, as pressure relief valves.
0: 9 out of 10 defense spouses wish they found out about Defense Bank sooner. Okay, I might have just made that up and they do sponsor my podcast, but I've checked them out and I think they're worth a look just for their banking app alone. It's award-winning and currently has a rating of 4.8 out of 5 in both the app and Google Play Store. It does everything a big bank app does with cool features like fast same-day payments, card alerts and controls, pin change functionality, savings roundup, spend tracker, the list goes on. Oh, and if you really want to go to a defence bank branch, you can. There are 33 on-base branches across Australia, and with many of their branch staff a defence spouse or partner, you'll be talking to someone who just gets it. Banking as a defence spouse doesn't have to be hard. For more info, visit defencebank.com.au. You know, they're hearing about what's going on at home, and they can only offer support via email or via that quick call back home and but then that they also are sort of working 24-7 and have no escape from it when they are deployed and when they are, are away from home but still have that worry of what's going on back at home. Absolutely. What would be your thoughts in regard to the partner back home feeling like they should maybe not tell the defence member what's happening back home and then you know, or shield them from what's happening back home for fear of, you know, making them feel guilty or putting too much pressure on them. But then that defence member comes home and all of these things have gone on or the defence member hasn't even realised what it was actually really like for the partner or the family back home. And then they have that transition process where I guess they kind of have to come back together, but they've had this differing experiences apart and not really... I guess explained it to each other, which can I guess cause problems because you you hold on to maybe a bit of resentment or you know aren't able to actually fully explain how you experience the separation. What would your advice be in regard to how you should be connecting while separated? My advice would be authentic we all have this tendency to put
1: on these wonderful masks and oh yes i'm doing great i'm doing great i'm doing great and then you're not doing great and you're doing two things by not being authentic with your partner one you're locking them out of your life you're not allowing them to see the true picture of who you are how you're coping or not coping And partners who are then deployed, while there is an element that they are restricted in how much they can help you, they also feel locked out. And that's a huge thing. And if you've locked them out, when they get home, you're going to find it very difficult to let them back
0: in. And obviously, you know... It has to be whatever works for each individual couple and family, but by maybe going forward in that way or going into separations in that way could, and you're thinking that you're doing each other favors by, you know, not putting the pressure on each other sort of thing or letting each other in on what's actually going on, but that can actually cause more problems down the line. I think so. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And by all means, I would recommend that people have, if you're approaching your first deployment separation, or if you're approaching your fifth deployment or the 25th, have the conversation before you leave. Sit down together and have a conversation. What information do you want me to relate to you? Do you want to know, like, do you want to talk to the kids once a week? Do you want to talk to the kids once a day? Have those conversations before you deploy and work out, how much each of you want to know and work together. Because it is, as you said, it's very individual. No two couples will do it the same.
0: And I guess it's also <clears throat> about expectations and You know, I heard someone say to me once that obviously because the defense member and the family are having those different experiences, they also have different expectations. So like you mentioned, if you haven't spoken about what you might expect it to be like when you're separated or when you don't have communication or what your expectations are, you know, are are you going into it thinking, well, you should be emailing me whenever you get a chance and the defense members going into it with different expectations. And that's kind of where, you know, I guess the problems arise, but then also, so when transitioning back home, the expectations of each party might be different, and that's where the problems kind of arise. So, you know, the defence member coming home might think, "Well, I just want to spend time with my family when I get back." And you know, for the first week, I just want to stay home. I want to be in my home. I've been on a ship or I've been deployed overseas, away from my home. I just want to be there. And the partner might be thinking, "Well, I just want to get out and about with you. I just want to be able to do things together and go and see our friends." But you know, they're different. Different expectations that, if you haven't kind of discussed what each other's expectations are, you can really be in for a rude shock when you come back together or separate, and it doesn't end up being the way you think it's going to be. That's very
1: true. And again, the key here is communication. Communication is 90% of a relationship, it really is. And it's if you can learn to communicate together in a authentic respectful way laying out your thoughts and your feelings using language that is owned rather than accusatory and what i mean by that is you know i really feel when i don't hear from you for weeks on end that you've forgotten about us so you're owning how you feel about that rather than saying something like you never email us and so we just don't think you care and it's having that respectful communication that will undo a lot of these misconceptions. You've just got to be able to talk about it.
0: Yeah, for sure. And that communication doesn't necessarily have to happen when problems start arising. The communication, if you lay those foundations, and it might even be with a chaplain or it might be with a counsellor or whatever the case, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that communication has to get started because there were problems. You could lay those foundations in anticipation of, okay, well, let's work on this. So, you know, we can not have that problem down the line.
1: Oh, absolutely. It's like anything. The house is only ever going to be as strong as the foundation that's built on And communication is the foundation of any good relationship. So absolutely quite right. And if people are struggling with that, then seek help. Let's never be too proud to go and say, hey, look, we're having a bit of an issue here. Can you help us sort this out? And it may be that you've simply forgotten. You've you've not spoken to each other. You've been separated for six months. As, classic example is a submariner. submariner. they can be weeks and weeks without contact with their family and
0: you can forget how to have a good quality conversation so if you're struggling ask for help you're also trained to be able to deliver the triple p positive parenting program that's a bit of a mouthful can you tell us about the program and and what that actually is all about So,
1: Triple P is a world leading evidence based program that gives practical information to parents. Okay. It's adaptable to each family's cultural and ethnic needs, and it offers multiple levels of care. It was designed by a guy called Professor Matt Sanders from the University of Queensland. And I'm actually trained to offer level two and level three. Level two is a series of three informational seminars. The first one is The Power of Positive Parenting, and that talks about how to be a parent from a positive perspective. Seminar number two is Raising Competent, Confident Children, and that talks about how to teach your children to be independent, competent, confident in themselves. And number three talks about the power of raising resilient children, which I think is so vital in today's world. And that's about helping your children learn to deal with difficult circumstances in life, moving house losing friends, dad going away, mum going away, whatever. So that's a really brilliant program. And the second one that I do, which is level three, these are targeted small groups that deal with fighting and aggression, bedtime routines, hassle, free shopping, or dealing with disobedience. And they are targeted to just those four things. And they're absolutely brilliant. It's been around the world. It's been around for 25 years and there is just no end of great evidence
0: why is a program like that of particular benefit to defense families, obviously, and parents, well, obviously, you know, it's really up to the person who's obviously delivering the course and, and the audience that's listening in or taking part um, and what they get from it. But, obviously you're connected to defence families and defence members and deliver that for that audience. Why is it of particular benefit to defence families?
1: So it's really beneficial for defence families that have some additional challenges, okay? By and large, these families experience exactly the same issues as every other family but they have the additional challenges of being separated so frequently. The beauty of this is it gives both parents the skills to implement and it helps you to perhaps set routines in place, understand common ground language that you'd use with your children, common ground approaches. And Triple P is about helping the parents to develop their parenting style together so that they're both on the same page and that consistency is one of the most powerful tools to raising really well-balanced children they really struggle with an inconsistency you know and so putting parents on the same page is really important
0: definitely and obviously you know like you mentioned parents who aren't in the defense world face those challenges of being on the same page because obviously everyone has their own way of doing things but you know, as parents, you kind of have to come together and have that consistency. But like you mentioned, separations and, you know, living apart from each other and the the extra challenges that defence life brings just emphasises the differences, especially when transitioning back with trying to get on the same page. And I guess that the program gives both parents the ability to come to a program and work through it together, as opposed to, I guess, butting heads at home and not knowing which way is the better way because, you know, mum's been doing it or the the partner back home has been doing it this way for six months but then the defence member comes home and this is the way that we used to do it or whatever the case may be, that having it tailored to defence families and the specific challenges that they would face would be definitely a benefit.
1: Oh, look, I absolutely think it is. I think defence families do have some absolutely additional challenges to what the standard run of the world parents have. But having said that, it's easy when when you go away, if you're away for nine months on a deployment, or I met somebody the other day who'd actually been away for 18 months on ship, just went from ship to ship. And I thought, well, 18 months, that's a really long time to be away. And you fall into habits in that period of time. And the way you might be, speaking to your colleagues at work is totally different to the way you have to talk to your kids and you'll forget those skills so when you come home sometimes it's nice to just do a bit of a refresher on oh actually that's right I should be talking like this to my kids
0: and it's I mean also you know the extra challenges of being away for you know extended period of time you might leave and one way works with a child and then you get back nine months later and they've had a they're in a diff- different stage different age mm-hmm. and they that that thing that used to work doesn't work anymore so you have to kind of adapt but it's just getting caught up and on the same page
1: and that's all it is again
0: boils down to communication and, and i that- guess also being open to talking through the way that might be working at the time that you transition back and maybe taking the lead from the parent that has been solo parenting and sure. not seeing that as that parent telling you how to to do things, but also, but I guess letting you in on how it's been working at that you know particular time.
1: Oh, absolutely. And the partner returning home needs to remember that the one who's been holding the fort at home has had a routine that has kept them stable, safe, and organized, and that routine has been the backbone of their ability to cope. Once the partner comes home, it's really important for the partner to remember that he's got to adapt as well to the fact that he's got to fit into the routine. He's got to learn perhaps new skills or skills that have adapted in his absence. He may even have to put up with the fact that when he comes home, his kids might be really knocked at him because he's been gone for months and he may just have to work through that in a new fashion. Again, just talk to your partner, work it out together. Be a team. Don't be two individuals in a relationship.
0: How important do you feel community is and feeling as though you are part of a community with facing the challenges of defence life or being able to, get get the most out of defence life by feeling like you are connected to a community?
1: Oh, look, community is so important. You know, we're all designed to live in community. We need other people. And, you know, most people have heard that statement, it takes a village to raise a child. This is never more true than in the defence community, that's for sure. Partners get left alone for months on end. And if you know someone that's new to an area, I would encourage you, if you're stable here, you've got a connection, you meet someone who's just moved into the area, reach out to them, invite them into your space. If COVID permits, have them over for coffee. Invite people in to your community and it will enrich your community. It will enrich your life, and it will enrich theirs. You just can't underemphasize the importance of community.
0: There's an importance to connecting with community, especially if you're solo parenting. But there's just as much importance for those partners that um, don't have children or have decided that they're they're not going to have kids. They need community just as much, and sometimes it can be even more isolating because you don't have the, those kids keeping you busy or you don't have those kids as the buffer and they're connected to, you know, a play group or a school or whatever the case. It can often be even more important that defence partners without kids connect into a community. Oh, it is. And it has changed many years
1: ago, as you know, defence used to have Patches where defence members would live, and everybody knew what was going on. But that's no longer the case, and uh, it's very rare to actually find a defence community where there's actually a community that's together. So it's really important that you actually reach out. It's hard, it's harder today to actually reach out and meet other defence families, but there is plenty of avenues to do so. Uh, DCO run coffee mornings, or well, in non-COVID times they did. These days, I think they run them virtually. Defence Families Association have often got groups where you can attend and maybe do courses and stuff like that. But if you have chosen not to have family, and yeah, you're right, you don't have that connection into the community through school or whatever, then it takes a little bit more work to actually to connect into the defence community. But... Like anything, you'll get out of it as much as you're willing to put into it. You need to reach out and you need to touch base, even if it's just one or two people.
0: What would you say to a defense member or a partner who's been thinking of reaching out and making contact with their local base chaplain, but aren't sure whether they should
1: oh do it. Absolutely. Just reach out, have a conversation, you know, reach out and say hello, introduce yourself, say hey, I'm new to the area. It costs nothing and you just never know. You might have a real connection. Just do it.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Jenny, and telling us all about the role of a chaplain and how people can access a chaplain and, you know, breaking down some of those barriers to who you are and what you do and how people can access support. You're welcome, back. It's been my honour.